We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We are going to be previewing number eight, Oregon, against the Colorado Buffaloes. Joining me to do that is my guy, Spencer McLaughlin. He's the host of Locked On Ducks and Locked On Pac-12. He's a frequent guest on the show. Uh, how we doing, man? Thanks for being here. We are doing phenomenally well. Woke up about 90 minutes ago. Have been doing nothing but work since since I woke up, and this is a uh, this is a nice little nice little break for me. Not that this isn't work, and that I haven't you know prepared of, of of course for this particular segment, but it's great to be with you as always, man. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Thanks for bearing in bearing with uh, my technical difficulties that uh, always seem to pop up from I've time to time. I've had more than a few in my lifetime, and you figured yours out faster than I would have. It would I'd still be working on it. Well, we're all good. We're we're all, we're just happy to be here. We're live on YouTube, by the way. I know it's a little early, so maybe we don't have too many folks here. But we're live on YouTube as always. YouTube.com/slash Oregon Football Max Torres is where you can find us. Make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and leave me a comment. Before we get this show rocking and rolling, I just wanted to mention that I am trying to do a mailbag podcast on Friday. So that's uh, Friday, November fourth. Uh, but it's a little hard to do those when you don't have questions. So I, I uh, you know, put a tweet out, ask for some questions. You can also leave those questions in the comments. Just hashtag it with the hashtag Ducks Dish. That is either Oregon football or recruiting. You know, I love to dive into recruiting as well. So Spencer, let's hop into this show, man. Um, Ducks hit the road for the second straight week to take on a really, really bad Colorado team. But, you know, all you can do is play the games that are in front of you. So let's kind of dig in a little bit to what's on the line here for Oregon. I think I view this as, you know, a little bit of a tune-up game. Um, Comes at a good time seeing that uh, they play Washington next week. And that's a huge rivalry game that, you know, has big Pac-12 implications. Just you got to win all those games that are are in front of you and you want to win in front of your home fans. So I think that, that Oregon's looking to tighten some things up and uh, really just get a dominant blowout win because I think some people, they left that Berkeley game just not totally feeling satisfied with what they saw. I think facetiously you're trying to avoid the the upset, of course, and what would be a calamity and an embarrassment, yada, yada, but I'm not actually concerned about that. I think what's actually on the line here is it pertains to Oregon's college football playoff hopes. 
are style points. I think it's the biggest thing that Oregon can do for themselves in this game. The number one thing is avoid injuries, but the number two thing is earn some style points. When you're comparing this college football playoff potential resume to that one over there, it helps when you can go down the schedule and have a game or two that just looks like, you know, 56 to 10 or, or, or something like that. And, and even though Colorado is really bad, if Oregon is as good as they're capable uh, of being, I'll say, because I, I do think they're a really good team right now, but they still haven't played their best football. And, and if they are going to continue to progress in that direction, then it starts with the opponent that's in front of you. Like you said, you can't control who you play and when. I would rather, after that Cal game, come home, play Washington this week, and then play Colorado on the road, and then come back at home and and play Utah, right? I'd rather have a little bit more balance, but that's not the way the schedule lines up. So as a result, you're going to Colorado, an opportunity to go out there and show that you are the current Pac-12 favorite to certainly reach the championship game, but also win it at the moment, according to the betting markets. And I think teams that are actually able to get to that level can show up for these sorts of games. They don't come out sluggish. And I know the Cal game was... You know, not a great start and then a really, really strong finish. And Oregon's been dominating the second and third quarters this year, which has been their M.O. And I I think is a really good sign for this coaching staff. I was kind of okay with it because I was expecting it against Cal. I mean, it's Cal. It's just it's Justin Wilcox's Cal team. That's what the games look like. That's as bad as you're probably going to beat a Justin Wilcox coached Cal Bears team. It's just the reality of what what he's done there in the program that, that he has built. But. When, when looking at Oregon's program and where Colorado is right now, notice the uh, pronunciation difference. Just got to say oh, yeah. it in every time oh, yeah. you can. Program, podcast, both of our shows. You're going to Colorado. You shouldn't have that slow start because Cal, I know they lost to Colorado, but they're a better overall team. They have sure. more talent. Their coaching is better. They, like They just had a bad day. So against this Buffs team, you shouldn't have that slow start. It should be 14 nothing before Colorado fans – have a chance to get settled in their seats. Yeah, and I think really what you're looking for, you kind of want a performance similar to the Eastern Washington game, a 70-14 yeah. to 14 win. Uh, something along those lines would be nice. Uh, and I think when you're looking at the numbers, I was telling you before uh, we went live here that I was taking a closer look at the numbers, and they're bad for Colorado. So I think that Oregon is, is well within reach of achieving that. Um, you don't want to have any slip-ups like you mentioned. Um, I think that there's definitely reason to think that Oregon can get off to a fast start in this game and, and really dominate from from the get go. As for Colorado, things are obviously looking pretty tough over there after firing Carl Durrell. I think Sanford has them playing some better football than they were playing before. Um, we talked yes. on your show about or which hasn't come out just yet, but we talked on your show and we were speaking about the game just about some of the, the pieces that he's been able to kind of you know string together to uh, at least try to get things going in the right direction, maybe make his best pitch for that uh that job but this colorado schedule spencer is brutal they have to finish the regular season they have oregon at usc at washington and then home against utah for senior day so it's uh it's definitely a, a tough schedule for the buffs who uh you know are gonna they would take any break that they could possibly get at, at this point in the season so we, we kind of laid the foundation for what's on the line you know oregon's flying, firing on all cylinders, but they still haven't totally achieved that level of dominance and playing a really, really complete game from start to finish. You mentioned the dominance in the middle eight. Dan Lanning mentioned that earlier this season, um, earlier this week, I should say, excuse me. So let's take a closer look at some of the 
players uh, that Colorado has on offense and kind of some of the superlatives and the, the numbers here for Colorado on offense. Uh, just to uh, kind of set you up here uh, for the numbers, I was taking a look at the Pac-12 ranks for Colorado's offense, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with them now. Not the number good. number eleven rushing defense, number twelve passing offense, number twelve scoring, number twelve total offense, excuse me, and the number twelve scoring offense, averaging just sixteen point two five points per game. Or uh, Colorado has been outscored by opponents three hundred and thirteen to one hundred and thirty on the year. Yeah, and that's what we should expect to see from Oregon's defense. They're, you know, against Cal, I didn't want to see him get to 20 points. The starters didn't allow that. If the backups allow it, I don't care. Against Colorado, the backups shouldn't even allow. The backups should be able to start in this game and not allow 20 points because this Colorado team is talent depleted. They're in the midst of a coaching transition. Their offense played much better last week. But that was against Arizona State, who also are a bottom three team in the Pac-12 this season. There's just no reason. There's no I, – I said Oregon should start 14-0. It shouldn't matter whether or not the Ducks have the ball first or whether they get the ball at, at the half. Like, Colorado's first possession shouldn't get more than two first downs. And that's like the absolute max. And, and, and frankly – no pun intended with your name, of course. Um, <laughs> the, the Buffs' offense has just been abysmal this year. Their defense has been dreadful. They've been, you know, a little better, playing more competitive. They got their first win with Sanford at the helm, uh, of course, but that was at home against a Cal team that we saw what, what they're capable of and what they're kind of about. And then you lose to Arizona State, and I, I think that that's more indicative of where Colorado actually is. And offensively, They've been a revolving door at the quarterback slot. I, I think McCown got hurt, so JT Shroud is back in. Brendan Lewis transferred, and they just don't have any talent or consistency there. And, and if Colorado is moving the ball and stringing together, you know, consistent 60 to 70 yard drives, even if Oregon holds them to a field goal, that's a concern. That that is a concern if this Colorado team moves it up the field. I'm not saying Oregon should shut them out because shutting out anybody is ridiculously hard, but the defense should not allow for the entire game more than one touchdown. It ju it just should not happen with the way this Buffs team has been playing. If the reserves allow, you know, another touchdown, I guess that's one thing, but still when guys get injured, those reserves are now the guys who will have to come in. And I'd like to see them play a little better than they did last week against Cal, who had their backup quarterback in. And one thing that just came to mind that I think kind of sums up a little bit of this Colorado offense, like for me, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't really even realize that Brendan Lewis transferred and like they still were like, you know, pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty tough. But just to, to give a little bit more insight on, you know, some of the guys that Colorado has on offense and how they've been able to perform so far this year. Uh, JT Shrout, like you mentioned, he's been taking over uh, for, for uh, six games here on the year with, with Owen McCowan injured. Uh, he's a sophomore, transferred over from Tennessee, didn't play last year because he had a knee injury that required surgery. So it's not like he had a lot of momentum going into the year, obviously. But uh, in his six games, he is uh, 56 for 130. That's a 43.1% completion. Mm. Usually you obviously want that hovering you know, 55, 60 range, 729 yards with five touchdowns against four interceptions. So 
the Ducks, I think, should be able to turn him over. And and that's kind of a stride that they're hitting on defense. Brian Addison, two picks in two straight games. Um, the, the pass rush is, is improved uh, over the past couple of weeks. It might be worth mentioning, Spencer, that uh, DJ Johnson, Taki, Taki Taimani uh, were not at practice on, on Wednesday uh, in the portion that was available to uh, open to the media. Um, so those are a couple of personnel updates on, on the Oregon side. No injury updates from Landing when we spoke with him last uh, on, on Wednesday. But a couple of the other guys that we can kind of talk about here, we talked about Shrout. He hasn't been anything super special, but I think like most quarterbacks in the Pac-12, you give him some time, you know, he, he can uh, he can get the ball to some of these playmakers. you got Deion Smith, who leads the team in rushing, coming out of the backfield, 354 yards and, and two touchdowns. And then a couple of receiver pieces, Jordan Tyson, uh, 300 plus yards, Daniel Arias, 300 plus yards. And here's a cool guy that I'm kind of excited to watch Montana Lamonius Craig. Uh, I thought it was cool that he was one of the, you know, one of the better receivers on this team because What's, wait, say his name again, Montana Lamonius Craig. That is a great name. He's uh he's out of Inglewood. And I was just at Inglewood earlier this week to talk to uh, Jamari Johnson, the Louisville commit that Oregon's pursuing. So go over on ducksdigest.com. If you haven't read that recruiting update, uh, that's a, that's definitely an interesting one, but those are just kind of some of the personnel rundowns. Um, obviously, this team is missing Brendan Rice a whole heck of a lot right now, and Jarek Broussard, for that matter. Both of those guys uh, moving on to new stops in the transfer portal, and uh, it's been tough to replace them for sure. It has, and I believe Alex Fontenot is at least got the he's at least got the potential to be back for Colorado. Yeah, I think, this I think week. he's going to, from what we've heard. Yeah. He he's their best running back, and we saw him last year. He's he's a good solid running back. He's nothing special or amazing, but when you watch him run, he'll make a guy miss every now and then. I think he's just a, a well-rounded back. You know, doesn't do anything exceptionally well, but does a lot of things solidly well. I don't think he presents a, a hugely dynamic challenge for Oregon's defense. They they have seen better backs. This year, I mean, I think Christopher Brooks at Cal even is a, is a little better, but honestly, yeah, BYU probably, now, or yeah, yeah, formerly yeah. at Cal now, now He's at, good, though. Uh, at, that was at a good BYU. Piece. But I, I think Fontenot is is solid, but I don't think he's you know a, a game changer for them. Maybe he helps JT Shrout get a couple easy completions, but the, the thing with this Colorado offense that that I've watched this year, and I've probably seen more Colorado football than most of the Duck fans watching this because. We haven't played them yet. Shrout gets in trouble, and the whole offense just completely breaks down when you can create pressure. And if DJ Johnson doesn't play, I'll be interested to see how the pressure is able to line up. Because I think what we've seen from Morgan's pass rush this year when they're at their best, it's when you have Dorless and DJ Johnson on the field. Because one of them will attract extra attention, and then the other one is left in a one-on-one. And, and Dorless especially wins those a lot. But if you don't have DJ Johnson out there, you know, I, I like what Casey Rogers and Jordan Riley have done against the run. They haven't really been that involved in, in the pass rush game. And I don't think that's really either of their MOs. So I, I think when you look at this Oregon defensive line, if DJ Johnson isn't there, do you have someone who can step up and, and win those situations, right? Mace Funa's had a pretty quiet year this season. He's been playing a lot, but like aside from the pick six, has he made any impact play? So I know that was a game clincher and, and really, really important, but overall on a play-by-play possession-by-possession basis, is he a high impact guy? I would say no. I noticed DJ Johnson. I noticed Brandon Dorless. 
And then if you watch closely, you can see Rodgers and Riley, you, you know, fill in the void when Taimani hasn't been there. And Taimani didn't play last week either. And I, I thought that Oregon did an outstanding job against a respectable Cal rushing attack led by Jaden Ott. It's not a good offensive line, but still, I thought they did a great job in, in, in that sense. So I'm curious to see how, how pressure can be generated. It'll probably be a lot of blitzing Noah Sewell, who's blitzed a lot this year. And I think that's where he's at his best, stopping the run and blitzing because he can win you some one-on-ones. He's shifty enough to get around interior offensive linemen. He can beat a tight end or a defense or even a tackle sometimes with a bull rush or, you know, a couple pass rush moves. And we've seen where he's been weak and that's been in coverage. So I, I think that if you're Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy, if DJ Johnson isn't there, you, you blitz Justin Flo and you blitz Noah Sewell a lot. And then you fill that that coverage area with, with one of the five DBs on the back end, a Bennett Williams, a Jamal Hill, you know, someone who can come down into the box and, and, and play coverage, but also be a little bit of a bigger presence for, you know, if a running back or, or a tight end is, is loose over the middle and you don't have him trucking a DB. Yeah, and maybe Steve Stevens is one of those DBs that they bring out. They've just been rotating the secondary quite a bit. Yeah. Um, which I think has given a lot of guys a lot of snaps and, and that kind of results in you feeling more comfortable. Uh, to, to your point about DJ Johnson, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more of Braden Swinson if DJ Johnson isn't able to go. Yeah. Really been really surprised that he has not had a bigger role on this year's team. And I feel like that's a direct result of DJ's emergence. So credit to him. Um, but I think that this could be a, a perfect opportunity to get maybe get him back in the game. Whether DJ plays or not, maybe get him some more snaps, get him more comfortable and, and ready for some of these big games ahead. Um, and just get maybe some younger guys in there as well. So if, if Taki is able to go, talking about the interior defensive line, I think that's a, a big bonus for Oregon because maybe he's a guy that commands more double teams and then that frees up uh, you know, some more space for the linebackers to, to come flying in on, on the blitz. But I really liked your point about uh, Noah and, and Justin blitzing more. I think that seeing that Noah's at his best when he's just barreling through the line, you know, using all 6'3", 253 pounds of him, uh, I think that's really when he's playing his best football. He's just looks like he's playing like a man possessed. He flies all over the field and, and really like what we've seen from him. We're going to take a quick break here on the Ducks Ish podcast and then take a look at the Colorado defense, talk some Oregon offense, and get into our score predictions to round out this preview episode. But don't go anywhere. we got more Oregon football talk for you after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. 
It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. That's Spencer McLaughlin. Hope everybody's having a good morning here, Thursday, November 3rd, as we continue our Oregon versus Colorado preview here on the Ducks Dish Podcast. So we're going to continue and take a look at take a closer look at the Colorado defense. Again, same thing with the offense. We'll, we'll bring some numbers and some rankings in here to, to kind of shed some more light on where Colorado's at. They have the number 12 run defense in the Pac-12. Opponents are averaging 237.3 rushing <laughs> yards a yikes. game. You don't need me to tell you that obviously bodes incredibly well for the Ducks who have one of, if not the best, run attacks in the Pac-12. Number six, pass defense for Colorado. Opponents averaging 246.5 passing yards per game. Number 12 total defense. Number 12 scoring defense. Opponents averaging nearly 40 points a game. Seven straight games for Oregon scoring 40 or more. And I don't expect that to come to a stop here. Um, you know, this is just really looking like it's a, a Colorado defense that's going to be outmatched and, and outgunned. Uh, even with Chase Coda probably looking like he's going to miss this game, just if we're basing, uh, you know, our, our uh, speculation off of what we've heard from the coaching staff and, and kind of seen throughout the week. Uh, but that's not a game. This isn't a game where they necessarily need him. So maybe we'll see more Troy Franklin, more of the tight ends, uh, more Chris Hudson, Josh Delgado, Dante Thornton, names like that. Great opportunity for them to get involved and, and really show what they can do. Uh, you know, in an offense that has been really just phenomenal so far this year. Yeah, I, I don't want Chase Cota to play because I want him healthy for the final three games of the year. The Oregon does not need him to play in this game. I don't think there's anything to be gained by playing him. Even if he's 80-85%, I don't think there's anything to be gained because the reserves should get into this game at some point if Oregon shows up and, and plays the way that, that they're capable of. And even if they don't bring their best game, I, I don't think it'll be as close. If they play exactly the way they did last week against Cal, if they bring that same performance, which overall Duck fans and Dan Laney included were not thrilled with, aside from getting the victory, it's still not going to be a close game. And Oregon should be able to get Ty Thompson and backup receivers and, and running back some, some carries in there. But you touched on the rushing numbers. This should be an Arizona or Stanford game where – the passing is complementary to the rushing attack, which is probably going to have one of its better statistical days. At least it should, because that Colorado run defense is, a, I mean, 237 rushing yards a game is just horrendous. And they're allowing how many per game overall points? Uh, 39.13, I believe is what it was. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they won't be the first Pac-12 team to, to hold Oregon under 40 points because... I just don't see it. They don't have the bodies. I don't know if they've got the right coach on, on that side of the ball. And Oregon's rolling and Colorado is just, you know, trying to find positive momentum each and every week. And that's a difficult thing to to obtain when you're one in seven and your only win. You know, it did come at home. So the fans, I, I expect them to just show up because Boulder fans show up in a, in a pretty consistent fashion and props to them. I mean, they were there and I think they had almost a sold out crowd. When that's what I heard. Oh, was it like 50K? Yeah, they were 0-5 playing Cal, and they had a sold-out crowd, which is what you would want to see from a program that is down in the dumps like that because Cal is one of your winnable games of the year. And I think they had a good crowd last week against Arizona State or the other week 
I, I don't remember all the all the all the dates and everything, but sure, they deserve credit for that. The fan base, the alumni, the community, because that's a difficult thing to to obtain. And they're they're a geographically isolated state relative to the rest of the Pac-12, right? They're next to Utah, but they still feel the most out of the way. But their fans show up, and that's what that's what a college town should be. So I give them props for that, and I expect them to be there for Oregon as well because. Hey, they've got one win, and you never know. And Appalachian State beat Michigan way back in the day, and you never know if this is the day that that'll happen. I don't suspect that that's the case, but I guess nobody ever does. I doubt Michigan fans were going into App State thinking, boy, we might be on upset alert today, fellas. Like, I don't think they thought that. And so, and that game was played at the big house, too. God, it's still one of the craziest games ever. But anyway, so I, I think that Oregon is in, is in a good spot here. I don't need to see Chase Coda play. The starters should be out by the midway point in the third quarter. And then I would love to see an extended run. Like, let's assume the best comes to happen. And by the third quarter, it's like 42 to three or, or something, right? Something like that. And you've got the second unit offense in there. What I'd like to see, and I think what a Lotson, or what a Lotson, hmm, that's a word. What a lot of Oregon fans who go to Otson would like to see. <laughs> is Ty Thompson to get into the game and see more than just a couple drives and see more than just simple passes and a couple handoffs because it's still kind of up in the air. Overall, the limited sample size we we've seen Ty Thompson's not been very impressive and he hasn't been able to execute the offense. But it does kind of feel like there there are some shackles a little bit, right? That's kind of the silver lining for anyone saying, oh, well, maybe he'll never be good. Maybe he'll never start. I, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if Bo Nix comes back. We'll see how good Dante Moore is as a true freshman. All that will be, you know, off-season fodder for for guys like us who, who cover the team year-round. But I, I think that I would like to see that in this game of, you know, Ty Thompson – taking downfield shots how does he read a defense to make a 15 to 20 yard throw and and show off the arm talent he's had a couple chances but it, it still feels and i wonder if you agree max that when he gets into the game it's it's not the exact same offense right and maybe that's because he can't run the same offense as Bo, but it feels like they're just you know kind of running out the clock and just running some some really really simple plays and i'd like to see him be a little bit more dynamic with it yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to look at it. Um, one thing that that I think we've talked about um, is that when Ty Thompson comes into the game, I think, and I'm not trying to you know light the kid up or anything, but it's like it the fact that the offense looks the same every time he comes in is is not a particularly encouraging sign for Oregon fans. No. But at the same time, it is a little bit tough to speculate. You know, what would it look like if he had maybe some more starters in there? But like to your point earlier this is a game where they shouldn't need the starters to, to be moving the ball effectively and to, to be doing their thing and to, to look comfortable, um, you know, to, to hold up on the offensive line. So I, I agree. I think this is a game that you want to get tied some good playing time, uh, maybe perhaps more than some other positions, uh, especially with the way that the rest of the schedule shapes up. This is your best opportunity to do that. Um, but again, this should be a, a dominant performance that the run should be, should be there the entire day. Um, and I think that those backs are going to be a little hungry because Cal didn't stop the run. Like they didn't slow him down completely, but like a quiet 174, 175 yards. They were obviously very, uh, you know, committed to trying to slow down the ducks on the ground. And they just said, okay, we'll beat you through the air then. 
Um, but yeah, this is a game where I wouldn't be surprised if every touchdown came on the ground. I don't think yeah. from a viewing perspective, I would want to see that necessarily, maybe not as entertaining, um, but you know, scoring, scoring, and you're never going to get mad at a win. And, and Oregon certainly has the uh, ability to, to run up the score in this one and, and, and score a ton of points, rack up a bunch of yards. And we actually have some, some questions I wanted to get into real quick, Spencer, and then we could wrap up with our predictions. Sound good? Yep. Good deal. All right, we got two here we want to talk about. Sko Ducky asks, do you think Oregon tries to run up the score for some style points for the CFP committee or keep status quo with how they don't run it up in the fourth? I think for me, I could, there's probably some guys on the team that want to get some style points for the CFP, um, but I don't really think that's been the MO. I think that especially if the backups are in, I think they're not necessarily going to run up the score unless those guys can move the offense and run run it effectively. Uh, I don't really see them maybe keeping the starters in, uh, you know, super long in an an attempt to run up the score. So I feel like if we do see them run up the score, it's probably more likely to come with some of those backup guys that, that uh, aren't usually getting a a whole bunch of snaps. So I think I, I just wonder how much Oregon's at number eight in the CFP rankings. And I haven't talked about it too much on, on my show at all, really, but I don't really know how much style points against Colorado is going to help you right now with where you're at. Like, I think I'd be more focused on just getting good quality wins on the back half of the schedule than style points, but would style points hurt? Absolutely not. Yeah. But style points, I think come into play more when you have a, a higher quality opponent. You, you know, I mentioned earlier, it doesn't hurt to to scroll down and see why wow, they beat so-and-so, you know, 56 to three or, or whatever like that. That looks good and all, but people also understand what Colorado is this year. And that's probably going to be a a one win program in in 2022. So I I don't think they will keep the starters in longer than normal to to run up the score. But I would like to see, as I said, if if it gets to a point where it's, you know, 42 to six going into the fourth quarter and you put the backups in, let them play. Like th- throw the ball around a little, push it down the field, keep keep running the same offense. I'm not saying you need to, you know, show looks and plays and formations that you haven't shown yet this year that you're saving for uh, a Washington, Utah, Oregon State, that sort of deal. But I mean, the plays that we'll see Bo Nix and the first teamers run in that first half and, and probably going into the third quarter, though maybe it's, you know, all second half. I, I don't know. Colorado is, is really, really struggling this year. We'll just have to see how it plays out. But whenever those guys get in, I'd like to see the offense be the same, right? I don't want to just see Ty Thompson throw screen passes, swing passes, and then hand the ball off twice for for a three and out. Or maybe you run and pick up a first down, then you run it a couple more times. Like, call a play action shot. Like, like I, don't, I don't know what you have to lose. I, like, you, you send your second unit out there. I don't think anyone can accuse you of, of being mean. And even if they did, it's college football. You don't want to get beat that bad, then stop them. Be better. Like, yeah, be better. <laughs> Suck it up. Like, this this is a grown man's game. Well, grown kids' game. Man's I don't know. And that's a different, I guess. Anyway, so I, I just think that if you get Ty Thompson out there, I want to see him take a play-action shot. I want to see him stand in the pocket and try and deliver a, a deep in route or, or a post or a post corner or, you know, all the stuff that, that we've seen. I'm not saying you got to show anything new. But just give him a chance to execute because you never know. If, God forbid, Bo gets hurt, you need him to have some familiarity in a game environment running those sorts of plays. So I don't think you have anything to be gained 
by going out there and just handcuffing Ty Thompson, saying, here's a swing pass and run the ball twice and then just punt it away. Like, what did you, what did you gain? Like, trying to get out of here without an injury? If you've got all the backups in, you shouldn't be losing a major starter if, God forbid, that happens anyway. So that, that's what I'd like to see if and hopefully when the, the Ducks get up really, really big. All right. Hoju says, stay healthy and take it one game at a time. Kind of kind of their uh, mentality going into this game. The last three games on the schedule will be tough. Go Ducks. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's that, that's what you were saying right at the beginning of the show is that above all else, obviously you want to get the win, but you want to stay healthy. No, no injuries before this uh, brutal stretch of games. Home game against Washington, home game against the Utah, and then hitting the road to Corvallis, just a short 40 or so minute drive up the road. So I think that that absolutely is at the forefront of Oregon's thinking and uh, maybe, you know, why they want to get some of these backups in. So you don't need to be playing your starters unnecessarily, like we were talking about with with Chase Cota a little bit earlier here. So one game at a time is absolutely the mantra. Um, And, you know, success looks like winning and and staying healthy. I think that's kind of where things are at right now with Oregon. Uh, But like we said with the last question, some style points certainly wouldn't hurt to, uh, you know, continue making a strong case and, and building that resume for the playoff. Yeah, and it's it's a momentum thing too, right? It's going into those tough three games. You want to be playing your best brand of football. So there's still those areas of improvement that we want to see. Not allowing big pass plays like you did last week, though Colorado doesn't have the receivers that Cal does. Cal doesn't know how to use them, but they actually have some nice receivers on the outside, and Jay Knott is good and also underutilized in, in that Bill Musgrave offense. But Colorado doesn't have those sorts of players, so I don't expect them to be able to make those sorts of plays. Like You should be able to blanket and keep them pretty covered throughout the course of the game. Get some pressure on JT Shrout. Continue to develop that pass rush. Get off the field on third down and execute in the red zone. I think those are the biggest areas where Oregon is is missing from hitting their full potential at this point in the season. And even though it's Colorado, you can still look for for areas of growth. All right, let's get into our final segment here. We're going to kind of rapid fire it out here. Let's predict the outcome of Oregon against Colorado. Uh, we both think, I'm pretty sure, that Oregon's going to you know, lead to a big win here, taking on Colorado on the road. Colorado's been struggling all year. Oregon, on the other hand, has been playing some great football, but has some areas that they want to improve, sharpen up. I'm going to do a big win here. I don't know, this, is, this probably isn't going out on a win, but I'm going to go like 63 to 10. Um, I think that Oregon's offense is, is really going to fire on all cylinders in this game. Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence that Colorado is going to be able to move the ball tremendously well, but maybe the, some of those drives that look like they can be scoring drives end up being stalled and, and have a field goal or two. So that's a little bit of my reasoning behind that. And then I, I fully expect Oregon to be able to run the ball well, and if they can run the ball well, then that'll obviously open up the pass. So give me Ducks with a big win, 63-10. to 10. I'll go 13. 50, sorry, 63 to 13. My bad. I'll go 50, 52 to 10. I think 52 to 10. This is not going to be the first team to hold Oregon under 40 points. And I think for the first time in conference play, they get over 50. I won't be shocked at all if they're able to hit 60. Like, I, I don't know with what Colorado has shown defensively this year. How are they going to stop Oregon? Like, if UCLA, that's got a much better defense, is a much better team, if they're not stopping Oregon, I don't know how Colorado does. So I, I think the only team that can stop Oregon, as Dan Lanning always says, is Oregon. And I, I think that it's I think it'll be a pretty, pretty easy victory. If there's a game that you have a conflict or that you want to have a conflict for, it's this in Eastern Washington, because they could be very similar. Honestly, I think the line for Eastern Washington was like 
I don't think it was that much higher than this. I think it I think it was higher, but I don't think it was over 40, was it? I can't remember that one off the top of my head. I'm going to I'm going to look I'm going to look that up cuz I I I am curious and I believe there was a point spread on the game against Eastern Washington that they won 70 to 14. That line 27 and a half is the that, first thing that shows up. Max, Max, 26 and a half. Okay. Was the line against Eastern Washington at home and this is 31 and a half. It opened at 30 against Colorado on the road. That tells you all you need to know. There you go. There you go. Well, Spencer, before we get out of here, where can people find more of you and your work in the college football space? Locked on Ducks and Locked on Pac-12 are available on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I am on Twitter personally at Smalls underscore 55. It's always great to talk to you, Max. And I, uh, I got a bolt. I got a coach that I got to that I got to that I got to talk to. But I'm glad we were able to make this work. Always a fun time. And I look forward to the game on Saturday and what should be an easy duck win. Absolutely. We always appreciate you coming on. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at mtorussports. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Oregon Football Max Taurus. Share the Ducks Dish podcast. Share it with friends, family, other Duck fans. You know the rules. And find all of my written content on ducksdigest.com. Until next time, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.